Hi, everybody. Welcome to church. It's so good to have you with us. My name is Ashley Matthews. I'm the associate lead pastor here at Trinity. Um, before we move into spending some time together in the Bible, I want to give you a quick update about our life together uh, here in person at Trinity. And no doubt many of you have heard by now that there has been an alarming increase in COVID cases over the last number of weeks among people who are vaccinated and unvaccinated. It's just a worrying trend. Positivity rates here in the metro area are higher than they have been uh, in months. This is all very frustrating, uh, sad, and disappointing. And in light of these numbers, trends, and increases, the CDC has released uh, new guidelines, new guidance recommending masks be required for people both vaccinated and unvaccinated uh, when we're gathering together. And so it's in light of these trends, what we're experiencing personally here at Trinity and in our city. No doubt many of you also know people personally or have heard of people more recently who've gotten sick. So it's in light of these trends and the CDC guidance that as of this Sunday, August 1st, we're going to start requiring masks here for both vaccinated and unvaccinated people, adults and kids. Every person in our building will have a mask on both this Sunday and going forward, at least for the time being. We don't know what's going to happen. This is and remains uh, to be, has been a very fluid and complicated landscape to navigate. But for now, y'all, this is an opportunity to rally together and just choose to do the right, um, straightforward, and let's face it, pretty simple a thing. And there's really good news. We can still gather together. We are so thankful for that. The last time positivity rates were at this number, we were in our parking lot, unable to come together and be together inside. And that's not the case. We are still able to gather safely. Those of you who are vaccinated and wearing masks, the risk remains very, very low. And so we're excited to see all of you in person. We hope that you will join us um, as you're able. Those of you who are expecting to attend the Trinity Retreat and are curious about how this might impact other gatherings, please stay tuned. There'll be more updates in the days ahead. All right. God have mercy. Help us. Let's spend some time together now uh, in the Bible. If you have Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 6. We'll read. We'll pray. See what the Lord has for us. John 6:24. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into the boat and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, you were looking for me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said, this, they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Holy Spirit, Lord, we ask you now to be with us. Bless this time together, Jesus. Wherever we are, Lord, with all the distractions and frustrations, Lord, that we bring into a time like this, all the noise, God, this is where we need to be. This is the space that we need. And only you, Lord, have the bread of life. Only you have that which can really fulfill us, satisfy us, and give us peace. So will you help us now, Holy Spirit? Be with us to comfort us, and, Lord, help us to hear you, to correct, convict, where we're in need of it. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen. So this is, for those of you who were here with us last week and read along, this is the same group of people uh, who experienced Jesus' uh, feeding of the 5,000. They were with Jesus on the mountainside on the other side of the sea just last week. And now it's the next day, and Jesus has gotten away from them, and they go, they go looking for him. And then they have this exchange when they find Jesus about bread. There's actually a lot of talk about bread in this part in John's gospel. It's clear to, to the readers that John thought there was something really important about the symbol of bread that I hope that we will see together as we look at this story. And there's a lot that could be said about this exchange that Jesus has here with his followers. But there are three things that I want us to focus our attention on today. Just three sort of observations. And this is the first one. There is no wrong reason to look for Jesus. So one of the first things that I notice about this story is that this crowd of people really wants uh, to find Jesus. Uh, The verses that we uh, read in verse 24, and especially the ones uh, before it in 22 to 24, John makes it a point to tell us the sort of links that these people go to to find Jesus. It's a sort of like celebrity stalking situation. They're doing like actual investigative work uh, to try to get to him, find out uh, where he is. Now, Jesus, of course, knows that it's because they want something from him that he can't or doesn't uh, expect to give to them. And he tells them that, which we're going to talk about uh, here in in just a minute. But first, what I want to make sure that we notice and pay attention to is that when this crowd first shows up, especially the day before, just to hear from Jesus, just because they were curious about him, expecting uh, to be fed or expecting to receive something from him, Jesus doesn't send them away. He doesn't rebuke them or correct them. He's not angry. Instead, what he does is feed them. And I think that's a really important detail for us to make sure that we uh, sit with first. Regardless of their motives, regardless of what they were after, when these people came looking for Jesus, he met them. He fed them. Now here, on the second day, he's going to have a different kind of interaction with them. But initially, his response was just to receive them, uh, needs and all. This reminds me of the story that Jesus tells elsewhere in the Gospels, a parable about a prodigal kid, this wayward son, right, who asks for his inheritance early from his dad, runs away from home, and then spends his inheritance foolishly on, like, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, if it were now, you know. 
And he ends up like starving, destitute in a, a pit with pigs, literally. And it's at that point when he's like starving, destitute, and in a pit with actual pigs that he decides he wants to go home. But it took homelessness, starvation, and real pigs for him to feel like he might call his dad. And so I just want to let that sink in for a second. It's not like all of a sudden he has this epiphany that what he really needs is to go home. What he wants is the comfort of his father. What he wants is to say he's sorry. None of those things were told in the story. What we're told is that he goes home because he has to. He doesn't know where else to go. And when he gets home, when his father sees him coming, he runs to greet him, embraces him, and welcomes him home with no conditions and no questions asked. The reason that Jesus told this story about the prodigal was to help people understand God's posture, his heart towards those who are curious about him or seeking after him. That's Jesus' way of saying, you don't have to get it all together. You don't have to get it right. You don't have to check your motives. Make sure that your heart is in the right place. You can just bring what you feel to God. If you're curious about him, if you're looking for him, his desire is to meet you where you are. So today, if you decided to listen to this sermon purely because your marriage is falling apart and you don't know what else to do, and that's why maybe you think you want or need God, that's a perfectly legitimate reason to go looking for him. It's not just an okay reason. God, in fact, welcomes it. He invites it. If you're skeptical, you're listening to sermons or reading the Bible or talking to Christians because you're just you're skeptical, or you're hurt, or you're angry. Even those reasons, they're okay. And again, not just okay. It's exactly God's heart towards us. This all reminds me of a quote from C.S. Lewis as I was thinking about this point in particular. This quote came to mind. C.S. Lewis writes, If God were proud, he would hardly have us on such terms. But he is not proud. He stoops to conquer. He will have us even though we have shown that we prefer everything else to him and come to him because there is nothing better now to be had. He stoops to conquer. He loves you. And he's inviting you and calling you to come to him. Just as you are with what you feel and with what you need. Because he loves you, however, there are longings that he won't satisfy. That he won't satisfy because he can't satisfy them. And that's the second point, which is this. Jesus can only give us good bread. When this crowd finally gets to Jesus, he sort of uncovers, exposes their real motive for looking for him. He says this. Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs, meaning because you understood what I was doing, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. In other words, Jesus was saying, you think you're looking for me, but what you're really looking for is a way to get your needs met. And again, on the one hand, that's not bad. That is a perfectly legitimate way or reason to initially come to Jesus. But because of his love and his goodness, because of what he knows, there is going to come a point when Jesus is going to ask us to distinguish between certain kinds of longings. 
There are longings that he can fulfill, that he intends to fulfill and wants to fulfill. And then there are other longings that we have because we're human that he can't fulfill, that he won't, again, because he loves us. So, for example, um, I desire a lot of things for myself because I'm human. And there's nothing wrong with these desires. I desire to be loved. I desire security. I desire to do well. All of those things are not only perfectly human, they're perfectly good and natural desires. The thing, though, that Jesus does is he takes those perfectly natural desires, and when we bring them to him, he redeems them so that we can become more like him. We can ourselves become increasingly redeemed in our instincts, in our desires. So, for example, Jesus wants to ensure that my need for security doesn't push me towards self-preservation, which would be an unredeemed pursuit or a way to try to fulfill that desire, is to constantly live my life trying to shore up, protect myself, gather for myself, do it on my own, power through it on my own. It's born out of a perfectly good need, but it can take me to really dangerous places. Similarly, the need and desire to be loved is perfectly good and natural, but it can take me into places of like self-promotion, trying to constantly garner attention or praise or applause from people in ways that are unhealthy and unhelpful, unredeemed. Similar with the desire to do well, there's nothing wrong with that. It's right and good that you should want good applause from your Father in heaven and from the people around you. But if I'm not careful, that desire to do well and be best can turn into pride so quickly. And so what Jesus was saying, uh, in effect, to these people is that, you know, you, I cannot give you what you're wanting. I can give you, however, something better, something more ultimately fulfilling. I'm going to give you an example from uh, my, my own life. There are times when I feel like really rather legitimately that I need a break from my kids. I feel it often. And I wonder if in light of this story, I'm meant to ask myself a question. Is it really a break from my kids that I need? Or is it that what I really need is to learn patience and playfulness? See, that's the thing about our lives. We feel a thing. And we're meant to put it before God, name the feeling. But then because God sees us in ways we cannot see ourselves, he knows what we actually need. So Jesus reserves the right to say, I hear what you think you need. I cannot give you that bread, though. What you actually need is not more time away from your kids. What you actually need is to persevere so I can teach you patience and playfulness and make you into who you're meant to be. Similarly, there may be some of you who think, man, I just, I need a new job. I need to be in a position where I can leverage my skills, my talents, my assets, when people can see me and appreciate me for what I bring to the table. I can be who I'm meant to be. And that may be true, or it might be that actually what you need is a time in your life spent really intentionally encouraging other people, championing the people around you. Maybe you don't need your circumstances to change. Maybe God is trying to change you within them. And again, 
hard to say or hard to know sometimes. That's why we bring the needs. We're meant to bring the needs that we feel to Jesus. We come to Jesus often, I think a lot of us, looking for self-preservation, to be protected or to be improved in some way. I want you to make me better. I want you to make me feel more secure. I need you to do these things for me. And what I love about this story is the promise that I can do that. That's the right and good thing to do. But Jesus reserves the right to look at me and say, I cannot give you that. But I can give you something better. If you will let him, he will teach us how to lose ourselves rather than to protect and preserve ourselves. He will teach us how to open up our hands rather than try to hold on and tightly grip things that we don't need. So that leads us to the third point, which is this. Jesus is the bread of life broken for us that we might likewise be broken. Jesus is the bread of life broken for us that we might likewise be broken. When Jesus says, I am the bread of life, uh, we're meant to recall what's just happened with the feeding of the 5,000 and to sort of anticipate what we know is going to happen in the upper room at the Last Supper, which is that Jesus is going to take the bread, he's going to bless it, and then he's going to break it, right? That's what happened with the feeding of the 5,000. That's what's going to happen in the upper room. And so when we hear Jesus say, I'm the bread of life, we're supposed to have both of those events in mind, that image of Jesus taking bread in his hands, blessing it, and then breaking it. And we know, of course, that that is a symbol. Jesus says it here directly of himself, that that's meant to be a picture of who he is, that he himself, his own body, will be blessed and broken and given out so that it might be a blessing to other people. Here's, though, what I think we sometimes forget is that that's not just an image of who Jesus is. If I am someone who is attempting to follow him, who has said in my conviction, Jesus, I want to be like you, then the reason that I eat this bread, that I partake in his body, is so that I can go and live my life like he lives his. Which means that this is also a picture of what my life is meant to be like. I am meant to bring myself before God so that he can bless me and break me and spend me for the people around me. I think that's the really provocative side of the image that Jesus presents to us here. It's both deeply reassuring because we are the ones who are fed. The other side of it, though, is that the reason that we are fed is so that we can be used similarly. He is the bread of life for you. And some of y'all just need to hear that. It's like the most simple thing maybe that Jesus ever said. It's not a complicated analogy. He wants to fill you up. He wants to strengthen and sustain you because he loves you. And because he loves you, he wants to teach you the way of love. And the way that Jesus loved was to spend himself for the sake of the people around him, to allow himself to be broken open, as it were, so that other people could be blessed. It's the thing about bread. If you don't break it open and eat it, you waste it. 
And I need to be reminded of that. My life with God is, my life following Jesus as a Christian, is a promise that when it's done well, that Jesus will, in fact, bless me and break me open so that my life isn't wasted. There's a promise there, something that we can anticipate. And oftentimes that can be deeply painful and hard. It can be really, really confusing. But I want to encourage you, if you're going through a time in your life with God where you feel like you're being broken open, spent, and like you just don't know how you have more to give, it might not be because something bad or wrong is happening to you. It could be precisely because the kingdom of heaven is coming through you, or God at least wants that to be the case. When we are broken open, as people who are bearers of the Spirit of God, when we are broken open, everybody's filled up. That's the image of the feeding of the 5,000. When that bread gets broken and shared, everybody's filled. There's baskets left over. So it's a promise for you. Let Jesus take your life and break it open, whatever that means for him. It may not be in this season, but it will be in a season so that he can share it, so he can build his kingdom through it. I want to leave you with a couple of questions for you to reflect on this week in light of these things. The first is this. What do you feel like you need most right now? Just period. Not from God necessarily, not a spiritual thing even. What do you need? Put that need before God. Tell him. And then ask him what he thinks you need. And just see what happens. See what comes to mind. Number two, where might you be being invited to be broken open and given out? Where might you be being invited to be broken open and given out? Help us, Holy Spirit. He will. All right, let's pray together. God bless you. We look forward to seeing you all very, very soon. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. See you soon. Thank you.